Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Years ago, I did um, the Stephen Levine Year to Live program at Against the Stream. And um, uh, and then moved on to uh, the um, a two-year program at Spirit Rock on the Heavenly Messengers. And then just recently, Eric McCollum, who's an Insight LA teacher in the South Bay, and I did a six-week class on the Heavenly Messengers. So. Um, Today, I want to share with you all of that condensed into 30 minutes. <laughs> um, naturally, what I'm going to be sharing with you is a lot of concepts. And much of what my work with this and what we tried to emphasize in our class was the experiential aspect. Um, so, uh, in a way, because it is a difficult subject, it's probably better to start with concepts. Um, it reminds me of uh, when I was having my first child in the 70s, and I said, uh, natural childbirth, sure, no problem. <laughs> And then when I got into it, uh, <laughs> um, so a lot of us can sort of say, yeah, death, no problem. Uh, but then when we really start looking at it, uh, it's a different story. But we will talk about some concepts today. Um, as you probably know, um, our Western society has been in denial about aging, illness, and death big time. Um, of course, um, in our society, uh, you reach a certain age and you're sort of ignored. Uh, elders are not what they are in other cultures. Um, illness is relegated to doctors and the hospital, and death is also often behind closed doors in a hospital. Um, there's a great book by a woman named Roz Chase that says, can't we talk about something more pleasant? <laughs> And it really illustrates how many of us, what her book is about is dealing with her aging parents as they die, and that they do not want to talk about it. Um, but you've heard the term turning into the skid. Um, it is what, of course, we learn when we're learning to drive, and um, when you're in a skid, you have to do 
what is counterintuitive, turning into the skid to be safe. And by looking at confronting aging, illness, and death, we're turning into the skid. It is a way to keep safe. Now, even more than that, um, the Buddha, as you know, um, was motivated to awaken because of these three things. You've heard the story about Prince Siddhartha kept in the palace uh, until he was in his 20s, and then something in him wanted to know more. So he went out into the streets and saw a sick person, an old person, and a corpse, and realized that there was great suffering in the world. And of course, that's what motivated him. And the fourth messenger, by the way, is a monk that he saw. And it's the potential for transformation. And thus the Buddha started on his road to awaken. Um, so we really need to keep this in our hearts that it's by confronting these things that we also have the ability for transformation. Um, okay. A poem, one of my favorites, you may have heard it, by Jennifer Wellwood, The Dakini Speaks. My friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending we don't know the deal here. Or if we truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long? Let's grieve our losses fully, like ripe human beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life had broken her secret promise to us. <laughs> Impermanence is life's only promise to us, and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child she seems cruel, but she's only wild, and her compassion exquisitely precise, brilliantly penetrating, luminous with truth. She strips away the unreal to show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for safe passage. There isn't one anyway, and the cost is too high. We're not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. What was that called again? The Dakini Speaks, Jennifer Wellwood. Yeah. <laughs> um, now,
something she mentions in there, and the next uh, piece of this is faith and the love of truth. Now, as you know, dharma means truth, and the love of truth um, is part of what accepting uh, our mortality is all about. Um, it also is facing uh, truths in our lives that keep us separate. Um, the feeling of separation is so much of where fear comes from. The threat to this separate self. Uh, Tao Te Chung says, whoever can see through all fear will always be safe. So starting to look at all the things that keep us as a separate self is where we can start approaching the truth. Um, and the, the faith piece comes in to that if we can do this, there is the promise of peace. That there is the peace uh, of the real and the ground of being. Um, a couple of activities that um, help one uh, begin to uh, identify how we are separate uh, is facing truths in our lives. Mm -hmm. Truths in our lives that have kept us separate. Um, and another activity that is really important to loosening the separate self is the act of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness for how we feel that we have been wronged, for how we have wronged others, and for how we think life has wronged us. Mm -hmm. In our Heavenly Messenger program, we had to write letters to um, from the perspective of somebody who had wronged us, somebody uh, we had wronged, and also from the perspective of how life, we felt wronged by life. Um, and forgiveness is not an easy thing. It is uh, a, a lot of work. This is from Gina Sharp. If you've suffered a great injustice, coming to forgiveness may include a long process of grief and outrage and sadness and loss and pain. Forgiveness is a deep process which is repeated over and over and over again in our hearts. It honors the grief and it honors the betrayal. And in its own time, it ripens into the freedom to truly forgive. Um, so, approaching the truths um, 
there are activities, and I'll talk more about them in a minute, uh, that are helpful in opening to the truth uh, of our existence. There's a meditation called um, The Five Remembrances. Maybe you've done it in here. And um, this meditation is really to help us become aware of the three marks of, of existence. Uh, anicca, impermanence, dukkha, suffering, and anatta, non-self. Um, uh, let me read the five remembrances and then we'll talk The way we did this in our class, and I'll talk a little bit about how we affect, uh, is we had everybody in the class repeat to every other person these five remembrances back and forth, back and forth, to sort of get them into your bones. I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. <coughs> I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. Now, this is a meditation that many people use in their meditation. Um, and it brings up a lot for all of us. I think the thing that it brings up for me is loss. That is the most painful thing uh, about confronting this truth for me is the idea of losing those that I love and um, uh, loss. But it was interesting for the group, it brought up a lot of things. It brought up uh, the the uh, fear of pain, the pain of illness. Um, that fear was brought up, you know, how... And, um, you know, we are built w with a physiological survival instinct. And that means that we are built to fight for life. <laughs> so it is a scary thing to feel that. Um, another thing that was brought up for people was this um, idea of my actions, let me see, my actions are my only true belongings. People had a lot of trouble with that one <laughs> because <laughs> it's a little scary. Uh, and 
As you probably know, there is the philosophy of karma in Buddhism, and I am not capable of uh, talking about that. But probably the best way to approach it is the Eightfold Path. That the Buddha came up with the Fourth Noble Truth, the Eightfold Path, which describes a way of living, actions, which uh, free one, uh, liberate one from suffering. So I think that is probably the best way to look at that um, part of the five remembrances. Okay. <laughs> um, and and just um, the letting go is is part of this too, and and I think we could spend a lot more time on that idea of letting go, of attachment to self, of to things, of to people that letting go. Because as we know, it, that's another thing the Buddha said, it, it's the grasping that keeps us in suffering. So the next thing I want to talk about is a woman named Kathleen Dowling Singh. Um, she wrote three books, The Grace in Dying, the Grace in Aging, and The Grace in Living. Um, she is someone who has sat with many dying people, and she's been practicing uh, mindfulness meditation, um, you know, for 30 years. And she has compared um, beautifully, I think, the process of dying, of conscious dying, the process of conscious aging, and the practice of meditation. She says that you're doing the same thing in all three processes. Um, this is from Frank Austin. Ostaseski. Uh, he was one of the teachers of the Heavenly Messenger program. He started the Zen hospice program of San Francisco back during the uh, AIDS epidemic and has also accompanied thousands of people uh, in transition. So this is from a new book he just did called The Five Invitations. To imagine that at the time of our dying, we will have the physical strength, emotional stability, and mental clarity to do the work of a lifetime is a ridiculous gamble. <laughs> so thus we practice. <laughs> because as Kathleen Dowling Singh says, we really are... Uh, we appreciate 
that why we practice is bringing us to the real. And she uh, talks about um, the special conditions of those three things, of dying, of aging, and of meditation practice. That there are special conditions that help one for transformation, to move towards awakening. And they are <laughs> opening to our own mortality is a liberation from pettiness and the smallness of selfing. It allows a release from the inessential. Withdrawal, another special condition, allows freedom from the blind habits upon which we impute our sense of self. Silence, another special condition, engenders a liberation from illusions and from the internal monologue that so convinces us of the reality of self. Solitude brings us to a stable platform from which we can liberate attention from attachments. Forgiveness liberates us from anger and from judgment. It allows a release of attention from the mental affliction of aversion. Humility unfolds into freedom from pride and the illusions of perfectionism. It is a liberation into ordinariness. The practice of moment-by-moment -moment presence, breath-by-breath -breath awareness, emancipates attention from frivolity, from all that is meaningless, from all the ways in which we squander this precious life. Commitment entails taking the one seat. It is a way of describing the conditions of a committed, earnest practice and the choiceless condition of dying. The work of life review leading to life resolution releases us from our story. It is the work of self-inquiry. It engenders a liberation into the freedom of presence, into experiential attention, free from narrative. Opening the heart liberates us from the limitations of fear. It is here that we enter into awareness beyond self. It brings us to communion, directly into love. It is one of the great tasks and the great joys of the human experience. Opening the mind is to make space in the mind. It emancipates our attention to the distractions of assumptions and reactions. It also frees us from our beliefs, from all that we think we know. It allows entrance into the wonder of the great mystery and the wisdom clarity of direct knowing. Um, I want to tell you a little story about how 
I mean, all of this can be hard to deal with. And um, I think it is easy to not understand uh, what is on the other side of confronting aging, illness, and death. And I want to tell you a story that happened just last week that illustrates to me what is possible. Um, I know a woman, uh, Joanne, who has been in a meditation group that I run for older women um, that we've met for years. And um, she's 75, and she doesn't look 75. She has fought the aging process <laughs> <laughs> to the nth degree. Um, she exercises vigorously. She looks, you know, 15 years younger. And she has even said um, she is a Stevens minister. I don't know if some of you, that's the Catholic. Uh, they uh, minister to people who are uh, in the dying process. So she has done this. And she says that she often wondered why people didn't fight it more. <laughs> why they didn't sort of sit up and go, wait a minute, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so that's Joanne. Um, three months ago, she came down with a uh, disease that is an autoimmune disease related to rheumatoid arthritis. And every joint muscle in her body was in such agony, she could not even get out of bed. Um, the doctors took like two months to figure out what was going on. And finally, thank heaven they did, um, and she's now on steroids, which is the way to treat it and actually will probably make a full recovery. Uh, so I was talking to her last week about this experience, and I said, you know, were you afraid? And she said, it was the most amazing thing. She said, I had no energy to be afraid, to worry about what was going on, I only had the energy to take it moment by moment. What's mindfulness? Moment by moment. And she said there actually was a certain peace in that. Um, and now that she knows that she can live some more, <laughs> She is not concerned about the future. She said, I really am not concerned. I am not going to pay attention to the future. I really am just so pleased to be able to appreciate each moment as fully as I can. 
And that is, I do believe, what happens when, I mean, we hear about near-death experiences, and I do believe that that is what people come back with. They come back with, oh my gosh, this life is such a gift. Every moment. And when we live in our narrative, and when we live in the future, and when we live in the past, we're not living in the now. Um, okay. Wendy said, I get to break you up into groups. <laughs> <laughs> And I am going to give you a little experiential thing to talk about. This is how they started the Year to Live program. Imagine that you've all contracted a rare virus. A rare virus that means that a year from today you will die. So I want you to sit with that for a minute. And when I ring the bell, turn to each other and just share what initially comes up for you. Okay, let's... Uh, <coughs> Let's take a little time. I know that this is really a heavy duty <laughs> subject. <laughs> so I want to be <laughs> I want to give us time uh, a few minutes to uh, process whatever has been going on uh, for you during uh, today, this morning and um, ask any questions um, and uh, share what's been happening. Well, yes. I, I, gotta, I gotta say it because I'm curious how everybody else did, but Wendy and I... Sue, sorry. Sue, Sue sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sue and I... We, uh, anyway, we, uh, we were both relieved. Relieved. What, that's different than yours, or just us? <laughs> really? Huh? Oh yeah, you worked. Yeah, we were just immediately. We looked at each other. Just relieved. Like, can you tell us relieved in what way? Just what a burden. I mean, to oh. not, you know, just to know, to just go out and love people and do. I mean, yeah. just like, um, I mean, what, yeah. what, a, what, a, what, a, what? A, I mean, to know a date certain. Wow, what a. What yeah, are those? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that was what your what you <laughs> <laughs> We're all going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but really, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that that is helpful for others to hear. That that is uh, a, a way of um, reacting. Yeah. Um, they, I have heard uh, that there are uh, three reactions to uh, death from three levels of practitioners. <laughs> and the beginning practitioner 
uh, can die with no regrets. The uh, middle practitioner can die with no fear. And the advanced practitioner can actually look forward to it. thinking about all these things I might do, but what should, what's the difference? I mean, why don't I just live the life mm-hmm. I want to live right now mm-hmm. and not have to wait to have this death sentence? Right. So it made me think about, you know, living the moment, living now, living the, the life that I think is the, the life I want to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of running away. Right, right. And, and I do, I know for myself, that is the place, it took me a long time to get to, a lot longer than you, of really understanding that this is it. This is, and uh, it, you know, fully appreciating, like Joanne said, each moment is it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. I think um, I would thinking along the same tracks, and I felt like if I had a year to live, um, the next year would be very, a lot of things would be different, and um, things might go to like one extreme, and then I was like, wait, would that actually be sustainable if I have 10 more years to live, and how, you know, are, you know, are there elements that um, I would really value in that one year that you could, you know, sprinkle, like, throughout to make it a more realistic expectation for my day-to-day because otherwise I don't know if I went to that extreme whether it would actually be sustainable mm-hmm. resource-wise and you know emotionally too. Oh you mean by going on a world tour? Yeah, for example. Oh. <laughs> Versus like, oh, I'll save my retirement. And to find a balance. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes? This might be a tangent, but yeah, I was listening to it, uh, a, a, a philosophy podcast where they were talking about fear and, and death. Uh, and, and, you know, they talked about, like, uh, they brought up the case of, like, how monks, uh, Buddhist monks, are... are go to charnel grounds, mm-hmm. and observe corpses, and uh, meditate on their own demise. And the expectation uh, is always that that's how you sort of free yourself from death, uh, from fear mm-hmm. of death, by, by turning into the skip, like you say. And then they did these uh, studies where they, um, you know, they took like, different uh, practitioners of various faiths and asked them how they fear their own deaths. And it actually turned out that the monks were actually higher on the fear scale. Hmm. They admitted it. Hmm. But the, uh, the takeaway from it was is that what they, what they uh, think, the 
research uh, proposes that um, they're actually dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So naturally their fear is... Got it. But uh, they have a more realistic aspect of it. So that is the difference between the concept, accepting the concept, yeah. and then actually experience, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Putting, putting it out of one's mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I do think, again, that it, I know when I started uh, the program, it was like, yeah, sure, death. And, and that is a level of accepting it on a on the concept level versus, and I think that's a really good point, that the more you delve into the life inquiry and what you're attached to and things, then, yeah, it does take on a whole different meaning. And there is fear. It's, um, this retreat that I was on is by a monk named uh, Analyo. And um, he uh, was saying that, um, God, I just forgot what I was going to say. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, but his uh, is the inquiry and is going, and it's, I know what I was going to say. It's, <laughs> It's only arahats who have supposed, you know, supposedly there is no grasping, no uh, need for small self, that they have transcended it all where there would be absolutely no fear. And how many arahats are there? Not many. <laughs> So really, for all of us, that that is what this life is about, is doing the work of uh, looking at the real versus the unreal. And this life, lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Hmm. Hmm. Is anybody upset? <laughs> I mean, how much upset is there? Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I had the opposite. I got really sad. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about like leaving my pets and are they, you know I haven't had enough time and you know the things that I wanted to do that I didn't and so for me I'm getting emotional again. I know. Mm -hmm. So for me it was really emotional. Like, mm -hmm. and I was saying like, like I wish I had your reaction. Where I was like I'm gonna live every day without the pettiness and I was like oh. I yeah I mean there was a sadness too I thought we talked a little bit about what if you wrote your obituary yeah. and there was a sadness it's like ooh yeah uh, regret I mean there, there's a lot and then yeah. it's like that's so that, that kind of you yeah. know difficult to yeah. think about yeah yeah and, and really, feeling the, the sadness is part of it. And it means that you love your life. You know, I run a, a, a bereavement group. And that is the biggest thing we talk about, is the depth of your sadness is how much you love your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And that's great. <laughs> this is an important life to love. And um, so uh, to sort of believe me, when I go on long retreats and they talk about, you know, letting go of attachments, I mean, there are some attachments that I'm not going to let go of until the day I die, you know? So if that, I just, I know that. So I'm going to have to come back a few more lifetimes. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but yes, the attachments of uh, the people and things that you love. Yeah. And we learn a lot from it. I think for me that's the sadder part, is to think of someone I love having that year left, not me. Mm. The saying goodbye to someone would be much sadder than the idea of me leaving, because yeah. mm. I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. But I think that's much sadder. That attachment piece is harder for me. I did um, a death and dying workshop in March, and it was experiential. Mm -hmm. Went away as a group. Uh, for three days. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I had that year knowing that I was going to die March 4th. And initially it was, like, oh, you're going to die March 4th. And then we would kind of, some of us would talk about that. But then it kind of had me reflecting on these petty things and, well, the noise in my head and things that get really annoying. And in the scheme of things, I'm knowing I'm going to die in this day. This really doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. I kind of like processed it through up to that point. Then I started doing a lot of reading and, and on the near-death experience and, and what uh, neurologists have witnessed with people that were, you know, um, paralyzed and they could sit up. And, and I'd start reading a lot and sharing it with mm -hmm. some of the people that were going on retreat with me. And um, then when we actually went on retreat, I think that's the, the moment really just did hit me. Um, this is a group that I go away with and do mindfulness retreats. We've been doing this for about seven years. Because when I wrote my life story, it, I, I, it, was to, it was such a hard process. And that's when the grief came in. And the relationships, for me, it's that, you know, writing letters and saying goodbye to my family members. Writing my obituary. I mean, how would that, if we had to write our own obituary? And reading my life my lifeline out and having other people witness it. I kept volunteering to be the last one because I knew we'd run out of time. But getting to that point where I was, I don't know, I was okay. You know, I, I can process and these things don't matter in life if I know this is, this is where I'm going. And, but the reality of not wanting to let go of those loved ones mm -hmm. and even, mm -hmm. you know, planning my memorial service, how I wanted that mm -hmm. to be and who would I want, and how, how would I imagine that would look like? What would be my experience? Mm -hmm. How I'd want to die if I had a choice? Well, no problems, in my sleep, you can find me in my bed. That's where I have no pain. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that's why I could say that I could see you know, each moment at a time, but that's not how I started out. Mm -hmm. It was a, mm -hmm. a, a long time to get to, because there is a lot of sadness mm -hmm. to be able to Sadness for, for those that, their sadness in not having me in their life too. Mm -hmm. My children, mm -hmm. my grandchildren, 
mm-hmm. my husband, you know, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. pets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's a good place for us to end, that this truly is a process. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not fair to sort of slam you with it in, you know, in one morning. But um, it is also the place that I really felt that I got to through everything you're describing, through grieving, through um, inquiry, through understanding your attachments and everything, is really getting to a place of saying, death is okay. Death is part of life. And it's okay. And, but it takes it takes work to get there. It yeah, really to does. To talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because we're even so afraid to talk about it. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is very important, I believe, is that, um, um, yeah. Wow. Well, um, I, uh, I, it's, it's time to end, but I would just like to end with a, is it okay to go five minutes over? Sure. <laughs> um, a, uh, a way of feeling meta that I think is, is really important um, right now. Uh, after having experienced uh, this discussion today. Um, This is a way of doing metta that uh, Analio at the Satipatthana retreat uh, shared with us, and I think it's really important. He said that he didn't really... He thought that people often say the words of loving-kindness of metta, but don't necessarily feel them. So he wanted us to just feel it, and that's all, and know that it radiates out. So let's take a minute and feel metta. So focus on your heart and bring to mind something, somebody that really makes you feel the feeling of loving kindness. As you bring this whatever into your mind, let it fill your heart, open your heart, feel the warmth and the peace of loving kindness.
and as we sit with it, it radiates out. And it also lets us know that we don't even have to send it to ourselves. We are loving awareness. May the merits of this practice benefit all beings. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.